Hello, and welcome to the Auditory Chronicles podcast, a monthly program bringing you short tales for your listening pleasure. I'm your host, John McKenzie. In this episode, we are proud to bring you an adaptation of an original story written in 1999. We begin as a young couple leaves the comfort of a small town to start their new life. A House for Rent, adapted from the short story by Michael D. Hall. The autumn sky was clear and blue. A bright golden sun filled the landscape with an almost iridescent glow. Luminous yellow and orange leaves floated down from the maple tree and hugged the curb near Laura's house. A sold sign on her front lawn was looking a little weathered since it had been there over a month. The house was all but empty. All the furniture had been sold in the biggest garage estate sale on the block. Now, there were only memories. Life had been difficult for Laura ever since her mother died, but for her father it was intolerable. Now, he too was gone. While he was alive, Laura's father did very well with his business. He died knowing that he would leave his daughter with a nice inheritance. This was no comfort for Laura. Sadly, with her parents gone, there was nothing left for her in this small town where she had spent her entire life. Laura's husband Tom had become tired of small town living years ago, but for Laura he stayed. With no immediate family left, they were to leave this town with a clean break. It was now or never. Tom had already found a financial opportunity in California. Laura knew that she might never see this town again, and perhaps she didn't care. Laura's mind was absorbed by thoughts of what the future might hold. The drive west was as smooth as silk, and the weather was fantastic. Laura thought it was almost too easy. Things aren't worth getting unless you work for them, she always told Tom. Tom was of another mind. If there are two roads to take, Tom replied, and one is a dirt road full of rocks and the other one is paved, then why make it difficult for yourself? Take the easier road. They both lead to the same place. After five days on the road with only a few brief stops along the way, they arrived in Southern California, the area they would call their new home. The charming town where they had planned to settle had elements of a lost era when farmers grew oranges and movie stars lived there in sprawling mansions. Although this city was much larger than the one they had left, it still had the charm of a Midwest town. To Laura, this was all new and exciting. Tom seemed anxious to settle in and find a place to live while Laura patiently hoped that he would just relax and enjoy this new experience in their lives. It was late afternoon when Laura and Tom arrived at the motel where they were going to stay temporarily. After checking in and bringing their bags into their room from the car, Tom left to get a newspaper. Laura fell across the bed she was beat from traveling all day and fell asleep almost as soon as Tom had closed the door behind him. When Laura awoke, it was evening and Tom had returned. He was diligently looking through the classified ads. I found some places to check out, Tom whispered to his wife, who was still only half awake. Houses for rent that might be just right. Anything with a kitchen. Laura sat up on the bed and brushed the hair from her face. Are you saying that it's time to get something to eat? Tom asked as he put away the newspaper and walked over to Laura. He kissed her on the cheek and picked up the car keys from the nightstand. Guess it's time to feed the wife. Tom, you make it sound like a chore, Laura said as they both gave a laugh, the first one either of them had had in weeks. It was going to be an evening out on the town, just the two of them. In the morning, they would start looking for a place to live. 
A shroud of fog blanketed the town when daylight returned the next morning. Tom was already awake when Laura opened her eyes to the new day. She noticed that he still seemed anxious, preoccupied. Her husband was more concerned about finding a place to live than she first thought. Over scrambled eggs, bacon, and pancakes at a nearby diner, Tom continued to search the classified ads for houses while Laura browsed through the calendar section. When he glanced up briefly to meet his wife's reassuring smile, Tom noticed a rental ad pinned to the flyer-filled bulletin board on the wall behind Laura's head. He reached over and pulled the ad down to read it. House for rent, comfy three-bedroom home in well-established area. The ad listed other vitals including fireplace and fully remodeled kitchen. However, missing from the ad was the rental price and the contact phone number. Only the address was shown at the bottom of the flyer. Tom folded up the flyer and put it in his pocket before continuing his search for other interesting prospects. Laura raised an eyebrow at this. Not going to let anyone see the ad? Who needs the competition? Tom grinned. After breakfast, Tom and Laura drove to the outskirts of town. Despite the overcast day, Laura seemed to be the more cheerful of the two as she took in the sights of her new environment with wonder and a smile. The first rental they decided to see on their list was the house from the strange flyer. Stopping at a curb stenciled with the address, they saw a house at the top of a small hill. It was an older Spanish-style house, though very well kept. Laura was surprised that the front porch wasn't crowded with prospective renters. Despite Tom taking the flyer, they surely could not have been the only ones who had seen it. And yet, there was no sign of anyone around. Perhaps the house had already been rented. Walking up the path leading to the front door, Tom knocked. There was no answer. Tom and Laura exchanged puzzled glances before Tom stepped to the side and looked through the front window. He could see that the living room was fully furnished, but there was no one inside. Tom knocked on the front door again. By chance, he tried to turn the doorknob and found that the door was unlocked. Tom turned to Laura as he pushed the front door, which creaked slightly as it opened. Do you think we should go in? He asked his wife. Laura stared at Tom for a moment and quietly shrugged. Tom stuck his head into the open doorway. Hello, is anyone home? He called into the house. Laura peered over Tom's shoulder so that she could also see inside. They wouldn't have left the door open if they didn't want people to go in, Tom reasoned. Laura repeated something she remembered her mother saying long ago. We shouldn't go in uninvited. She put a hand on Tom's arm. There's no one home. I think it would be better if we came back later. This isn't the only house on our list. As Tom often demonstrated, his upbringing was different from Laura's. He continued to step through the doorway. Well, we're here now, so why not take advantage of it? To Laura, this seemed like another example of Tom's wanting to take the easier road. He continued. We'll just take a quick look around. I mean, we are prospective tenants. Laura walked further into the entryway right behind Tom and looked around. Is anyone home? She called out, not sure if she wanted a reply. Laura made up her mind that she was going to decide quickly on whether or not this house was the place for them. Once past the entryway, they stood in the arched opening of the living room. From the beamed ceiling to the cozy fireplace, the living room alone made it seem like this house was more than they could have expected. It's beautiful, Laura whispered in amazement. 
She was now anxious to see more of the house. It's just what we're looking for. Let's take a look at the rest of it, Tom said, as if he had read her mind. Tom took Laura by the hand and stepped toward the shadowy hall leading to the back of the house where the dining room and kitchen were likely to be. As they took a few steps, they suddenly heard a noise clatter from the back of the house. It sounded as if something had fallen over or a door had rattled shut. Whatever the sound was, it made Laura stop dead in her tracks. Her excitement to see the rest of the house was suddenly gone. Tom? She whispered hesitantly, beginning to feel again like they should never have entered the house uninvited. Tom turned to Laura. It's nothing. Probably just the landlord or renting agent. He started forward again, but Laura did not move. I'm not going to step another foot into this house, Tom, Laura said firmly. Tom smiled, trying to comfort his wife. I think you're being silly, but fine. He patted Laura's hand as he released her grip. Stay here by the door and I'll go check it out. You'll see. It'll be okay. Laura attempted to smile as Tom kissed her and winked. He then turned and walked toward the rooms at the back of the house. As Tom disappeared around another entryway, Laura tried to relax. She looked around again and tried to imagine herself living in this house. Maybe Tom was right. This could be the house they were looking for. Then, Laura peered down a side hallway, likely leading to the bedrooms. After a moment, she turned her attention to the hallway where Tom had gone. He was still deep in the back of the house, and she could not see him. Laura took a deep breath and began thinking she might venture off on her own to prove to herself and to Tom that she could overcome her foolish nervousness. She looked toward the side hallway again and took a step forward. For a moment, she thought she saw movement, like a shadow flicking past on the back wall. Was someone there? Hello? Laura called out quietly. Without moving her feet, she leaned forward, trying to peer closer. Suddenly, she felt something touch her shoulder. Laura quickly turned, nearly screamed. To her surprise, an older woman was standing in front of her, silhouetted by the light of the opened front door. The woman stared at Laura. I'm Elaine, she spoke in a straightforward voice. Are you here to rent the house? You scared me half to death, Laura spoke timidly as Tom returned from the back of the house. Yes, Tom jumped in. We're interested in renting this place. Saw your flyer at the diner on 5th Street. We tried knocking and no one answered. Hope you don't mind. We let ourselves in. Of course not. Elaine continued to speak with a matter-of-fact tone. Well, you're welcome to continue looking around. As you may recall from the flyer, this is a fully furnished house with three bedrooms, two and a half baths, a nice kitchen and patio. The rent's a thousand a month. Laura and Tom could not believe their ears. Based on the little of the house that Laura had seen, she figured it would be renting for two or three times that amount, or more. A thousand a month, Laura restated. Elaine replied without batting an eye. Correct, and there will be no haggling. Tom smiled. No, of course not, he said to Elaine before turning his grin toward Laura. Laura and Tom finished their walkthrough of the house and found that it exceeded their hopes and expectations. There was a room for Laura's home office as well as a space for the art studio Tom wanted to set up. Despite her earlier apprehension, Laura had to admit that everything about the house was what she wanted. 
None of the other houses she and Tom visited later in the afternoon could compare, either by features or by cost. On the way back to the motel, they decided to rent the house that Elaine had shown them. After checking out of the motel, Laura and Tom returned to the house to sign the rental agreement before anyone else had a chance to rent the place from under them. Laura thought that checking out of the motel was premature, but Tom seemed excited for them to move into their new home. Luckily, Elaine was still there when they knocked on the door. Laura thought that maybe Elaine was staying in the house. When asked about this, Elaine replied, No, I don't live here. No, no. She was still shaking her head as she led the young couple into the living room, explaining, I am here to introduce you to the house. What do you mean, introduce us? Laura asked, feeling her hard-earned comfort starting to fade again. Well, you know, Elaine started. People talk, but no one gets the story straight. Laura and Tom's blank, unknowing expression caused Elaine to pause. Surely you know the story behind this house, Elaine stated expectantly. Everyone does. Tom and Laura looked at each other. Neither one of them had a clue as to what Elaine was talking about. Of course, you are from out of town, Elaine acknowledged with a nod. How could you know? Calmly, Elaine continued. Perhaps you should have a seat. Laura and Tom took their seats on the living room couch. The house suddenly seemed very quiet as Elaine spoke. There is something I must tell you. Elaine began slowly. It is the mystery of this house. Tom and Laura leaned forward, waiting for Elaine's next words. The fact is, Elaine began, that the owners of this house were murdered here. Laura could not begin to stand fast enough. Tom reached over and comfortingly put a hand on his wife's shoulder, urging her to be seated again. Tom, there's no way I'm staying in this house, Laura said firmly. People died here. Tom countered quietly. Laura, this house is perfect. Well, almost perfect. Let's just hear her out. Not wanting to argue in front of Elaine, Laura sat back down. Fine, we'll listen. Tom smiled. Then we're leaving, Laura concluded then turned to Elaine. Please, go on. Elaine continued. The mystery behind the deaths is still unsolved. Mr. and Mrs. Kingsley lived in this house. They had lived here for many years, never bothered anyone. Then, one night, their anniversary night, they were to meet some friends for dinner. When they didn't show up at the restaurant, one of the friends came here to the house and found the Kingsleys dead. Elaine took a deep breath. That was last year. Laura sat with her hands clasped tightly, saying nothing. Tom asked Elaine to excuse them, and he took Laura into the kitchen. Once they were alone, Tom tried to convince Laura that she should not be afraid. There's nothing to fear in this house, he said, trying to convince her. You don't believe in ghosts, do you? Of course not, but two people died here, Tom. Laura repeated the fact with all the determination she could muster. Tom continued his attempt to persuade Laura, but she absolutely refused to sign the rental agreement. It wasn't until Tom got Elaine to agree to let them spend the night in the house, free of charge as a trial, that he was then able to convince Laura to stay. But just for tonight, Laura said firmly, since it's late already, then tomorrow we go back to a motel. Any motel. Tomorrow you'll want to sign that rental agreement. 
Tom said confidently, though neither Laura nor Elaine was convinced. After Tom had brought in their bags, Laura headed for the master bedroom to settle in for the evening. At first she doubted that she was going to be able to sleep at all in this place, but after walking through the house again, Laura began to reconsider. This was the most charming home they had seen all day. She could almost forget someone died there. Almost. Laura unpacked her robe and threw it onto the bed, then sat at the bureau. Briefly, she admired the antique mirror in front of her. Then Laura's gaze shifted to her reflection in the mirror. She had to admit that she looked tired. She was tired from the trip, tired from the loss of her father, and too tired to be afraid of a house. Laura leaned back in her chair. Then something caught her eye in the reflection over her shoulder. It was a face peering through the French doors behind her. Laura turned quickly to see who it was. The person she had seen, or thought she had seen, was not there. Tom knocked on the doorframe as he entered. Settling in? What? Laura blinked. Had she imagined that there was someone looking through the glass doors? Maybe, she thought as she answered Tom's question. Settling in for the night, yes. Now that she was possibly starting to see things, Laura refused to let her husband believe they were going to stay any longer than she had agreed. Well, I'm going out for a quick run to get some champagne to celebrate the evening. Where's Elaine? Laura asked, thinking that the caretaker might run the errand if she thought it could close the deal. She's gone for the evening, Tom said. Our business with her was finished for the day, so I let her go. That was all right, wasn't it? Oh, sure, Laura said unsteadily. I just thought she was going to be here with us for the night. You know, I'm still a little nervous about this whole situation, Laura admitted. Did she at least leave her phone number for us to call if we have any questions? Ah, uh, here's the thing. As soon as Tom started, Laura knew she would not like it. Elaine said that the phones are out. There are no phones. Water and electricity is on, obviously, but we'll have to set up the phone service in the morning if we decide to stay. Tom could see Laura's discomfort building again. Look he said softly as he stepped up and kissed her forehead. It's a nice neighborhood. I'm sure our neighbors will let us use their phones if we need to, but we won't need to. Laura did not look convinced or comforted, so Tom continued. Why don't you take a warm shower and I'll be right back. You'll feel a lot better after you've had a glass of champagne. Laura was still not convinced, but bravely smiled anyway. She hoped that she was just being foolish. Tom kissed her again before grabbing the car keys and heading out. Soon, Laura heard the front door close. For a moment, Laura simply sat at the bureau. She suddenly wished that she hadn't let Tom leave her alone in this strange house. Taking a breath to calm herself, Laura stood and put her suitcase on the bed. Maybe Tom was right. Maybe a shower would be just what she needed. Suddenly, Laura heard a crash from the other side of the house. The clatter was similar to the sound Laura and Tom had heard earlier when they first entered the house. Tom? Laura said, stepping out of the bedroom and into the hallway. She knew Tom couldn't be back so soon. Laura made a quick decision and moved to the front door to make sure it was locked. And it was. As she turned to head toward the back of the house, Laura thought she heard something like a muffled bump. The sound came from underneath the floor. Tom, is that you? Laura asked though she knew that he would have let her know if he had come back already. There was no answer. Laura stepped toward the kitchen and a door that was locked when she and Tom toured the house earlier. 
That door was now slightly ajar. Tom, are you here? She called a little louder. There was still no answer. Laura was positive the door was closed earlier. Moving closer, she pulled the door open a little further and looked into the darkness. In the light from the hall, Laura could see a staircase leading downward into the dark. The basement, Laura thought as she felt herself tense up again and her hand found a light switch on the wall inside the doorway. She drew in a deep breath and switched on the light. Laura took a few steps into the previously unexplored part of the house. With each step downward, she felt more and more anxiety, more fear. Just as Laura felt she would be too overwhelmed to go on, she looked up and realized that she was already halfway down the stairs into the basement. She thought about how Tom would laugh if he found her stuck on the stairs unable to move. Trying to relax, she continued onward and downward. Reaching the bottom of the stairs, Laura stopped for a minute to catch her breath, which she had been holding nervously. The lighting in the basement was very poor. It was easy for Laura to imagine someone lurking in the shadowy corners, but she could hear no one. She did notice various pieces of old forgotten furniture and items of nostalgia scattered in piles everywhere. There were plenty of places for someone to hide. Laura noticed some old clothing on top of a stack of boxes. Sifting through the old dresses, shirts, and aprons, the musty smell reminded her of the basement in the house where she grew up. Looking into the box under the clothes, Laura found an old portable tape recorder, several telephones, and a stack of mail bundled together with rubber bands. Laura picked up the tape recorder. There was a tape inside labeled 50's Top Hits. She then examined the telephones. Laura noted that these would be more useful once the telephone service was restored. Then, Laura noticed something strange about the bundle of mail. She was so focused on her discovery that she didn't notice a shadow approaching behind her. As Laura looked down at one of the letters, she felt a hand reach around from behind her and grasp around her mouth. I wouldn't scream if I were you, spoke Elaine's matter-of-fact voice. Laura's eyes were filled with shock and terror. Gasping for breath, Laura could not have screamed if she tried. Upstairs, Tom closed the front door, having just returned from his errand. He walked into the living room with a bottle of champagne. Laura, I'm home, he called toward the bedroom. As he walked down the hall, he noticed the basement door was open slightly and the light in the basement was on. Opening the door wider, he looked down the stairs as far as he could and into the room below. Laura, are you down there? Tom called out as he set the champagne on the side table. There was no answer, but something in the basement shifted, something that sounded like wood creaking or scraping on cement. Tom cautiously walked down the steps. When he reached the bottom step, he was shocked to find Laura gagged and bound in a chair against one of the walls. Laura! He cried out, running over to her. As quickly as he could, he untied the gag around her mouth. It's Elaine. She's crazy. She tried to kill me. Laura's voice was hysterical. She tied me up when she heard you come back in. Elaine, what do you mean? Tom asked, still trying to get Laura untied. She fidgeted nervously in her seat as she continued. She came back after you left and lured me down here, came up from behind me. I knew something was wrong with her. Laura continued as she looked up the stairway. There's something else about this house that she doesn't want anyone to know about, and I was getting a little too close. That's why she had to get rid of me. Hurry, Tom. We have to get out of here. Tom looked at his wife, stood up, 
and took a step backward. Tom, untie me. Looking down at Laura, Tom said, that would spoil everything. What are you talking about? Laura asked. Moving over to the box with the telephones, Tom disconnected one of the phone cords and pulled it out. Elaine helped me much more than I could have ever imagined. There's no way I'll be held accountable. She will take the fall. It's all too easy. The easiest road imaginable. Laura looked at Tom and pleaded, Tom, darling, please tell me what you're talking about. Well, you see, it's genius, Tom smiled. I rented this house a month ago. The Kingsleys aren't dead. They're just away, traveling for a while. I secretly hired Elaine so she didn't know whom she was working for. I gave her explicit instructions on what to say and how to act, including peeking through windows and rattling doors. You've had an emotionally rough time since the funeral, so I figured a haunted home would push you over the edge. Why, Tom? Laura asked, not really wanting to hear. At first, I was going to have you declared mentally unstable so that I could be made the executor of your state. After all, there'd be no one to suspect that I was the one who made you unfit. Tom wrapped the phone cable around his hands as he stepped closer to his wife. Think about it, Tom continued menacingly. You have all your dear old dad's money, and yet you still want us to work for a living? Tom shook his head. Well, I have other plans. I've had to work my whole life, and now it's time for Tommy to play. As he said this, Tom walked over to Laura and wrapped the phone cord tightly around her neck. This will be even easier than having you committed. I wouldn't do that if I were you. Elaine emerged from the shadows with a baseball bat in her hand. I knew something was wrong, the way you kicked me out of the house earlier. As Elaine stood firm, Tom's grip on the cord around Laura's neck loosened slightly. He thought perhaps he should make a break for it. That's right, Tom, Laura said, interrupting Tom's thoughts. Her voice now changed. There was no more fear or terror. Those feelings were replaced by anger and resentment. The stack of personal letters and bills in that box are addressed to the Kingsleys. They're no older than a few weeks. That's amazing for a couple that's been dead for a year. You tried to make me crazy, but it didn't work. I might have trusted you to the end, but Elaine caught me just in time and we figured out your whole plot. Tom shook his head and laughed. That might be true, but who will ever believe you? I'm sure the police will. Elaine pointed down to the tape recorder that Laura had found. Tom's entire confession was on tape. You know what else, dear husband? Laura growled as she pulled at the slip knots Elaine had tied and freed herself. What? Tom said defiantly, the smirk now gone from his face. The phones actually work. Laura ripped the cord from her neck that Tom had used to choke her. And the police are on their way. The next thing Tom felt was Laura's fist connecting squarely with his jaw. We hope you've enjoyed our presentation of A House for Rent, adapted from the short story by Michael D. Hall, as read by J.T. Be sure to join us next time for another tale of mystery and wonder. In the meantime, you can visit our website at auditorychronicles.com for more information about the show, as well as links to our Twitter feed and Facebook page. For Auditory Chronicles, I'm John McKenzie. Thanks for listening.